Welcome to Brilliant Podcast. I'm Kim, and today I'm discussing the newest episode of Doctor Who called The Syringa Conundrum. This is the fifth episode of the new series, and it aired on Sunday, November 4th, 2018. I've been forgetting to say the writers of each episode, but showrunner Chris Chibnall wrote this one. I wasn't able to catch this episode live because I was working, but fingers crossed for future episodes. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at BrilliantPCast, where I live tweet when I can. So, last episode we were on Earth, and this time we're back traveling through space. Right after the title sequence plays, we see the TARDIS standing in some sort of junkyard, or as I was reminded of, possibly a big old trash compactor like in Star Wars. Anyway, it's dark out, and Team TARDIS is searching for something. They have metal detectors, and the doctor says she found seven of whatever they're looking for last time she was here, which apparently took a month or so to do. They're in a junk galaxy, where all the planets look the same, so the doctor isn't sure if she was actually on this planet or on another one. Team TARDIS has only been looking on this one for about four hours so far. Graham finds something with his metal detector, but it turns out to be a sonic mine, which starts beeping and counting down when the doctor pulls some other trash off of it. The mine goes off and the screen goes white, transitioning us into a medical bay. The doctor is the last one to regain consciousness and is totally out of it and doesn't know what's going on. She remembers the sonic mine, and the doctors who are working on them, named Astos and Mabley, say robot dredgers found them quickly, and in the hospital, they stabilize their vital organs, which were disrupted by the sonic mine. They mention the name Saranga, which the doctor recognizes. She tries to stand and she falls. She gets up and tries to leave, but is clearly in pain. Her friends and the doctors follow her one saying they need to rest, but she insists on having to find the TARDIS. She's worried about the TARDIS being left out on a junk planet where it could be scavenged. Her shirt is very purple this week. Team TARDIS walks into a room where two men are talking to General Eve Cicero. The Doctor knows her by her reputation of being a great pilot and of winning many battles. One of the men is her brother, Dirkus, and the other is her consort, Ronan, an android. Eve is also aware of the Doctor by name, both of them being found in the Book of Celebrants. The Doctor tries to claim she's not the famed Doctor in this book, and rushes off, but she says it was more of a volume, not a chapter, about her. So clearly she is in this book. Still trying to find the hospital exit, the doctor bursts in on another patient named Yas, a male gifton whose pregnancies last a week, and apparently he's a day overdue. Mably finds them, and Astos comes in and tries to keep explaining to the doctor why they can't leave the hospital. Then the doctor realizes she didn't notice the vibrations that would have made it obvious that they were on a ship. She then remembers the Saranga is the name of the ship. They've been in flight for four days. By the way, the doctor has an ectospleen, which is what's causing her pain as it's resettling. The ship is headed for a place called Rhesus One, so the doctor wants to stop the ship or find an onboard teleport. As the doctor walks around the ship, Astos explains to her that he and Mabley are the only crew on board, as the ship flies with an automated system since it's a rescue ship. 
He says its course is pre-programmed by the Saranga hub on Rhesus 1. So now I'm not sure if Saranga is the name of the ship they're on or the name of the computer system controlling it. Either way, the doctor knows the name Saranga and I have a bad feeling about it. The doctor wants to sonic the navigation systems to turn the ship around, but Astos reasons with her that going to Rhesus 1 is a matter of urgency for the patients. The doctor realizes he's right and apologizes. The characterization of the doctor in this episode so far really reminds me of the 10th doctor and how he would sometimes want to do things and realize he had to step back and help people first. Or maybe I'm just remembering the time he saw the face of Bo in that hospital and I'm just projecting. She also says sorry a lot, so again, reminding me of 10. The doctor looks at a map on a screen on the wall and asks where they are. Asta says they're on the edges of the Constant Division, which is disputed territory. Usually they don't travel out there because of that, but he says they'll be fine. But the doctor sees something on screen that Astos isn't sure what it is. I thought it was probably another ship coming to attack them, so the doctor will have to step in and save the day. Classic. Alarms go off as something hits the ship, breaching the shields which repair themselves. Something's definitely on board, or at least on the outside surface of the ship. The doctor pulls a stethoscope out of her pocket, which she could have just had, or she could have found on board. Are her pockets bigger on the inside? No, that wouldn't really make sense because one, her jacket is from a thrift shop on Earth, and two, she had a fanny pack at one point recently. Anyway, she listens to the wall with the stethoscope, saying something's inside the shields. Astos reasons out loud it's probably nothing, and he goes over the ship's map and escape pods with the doctor at her questioning. Whatever it is, it's in one of the life pods, which is one of the two escape pods. Astos and the doctor fight over who's going to check which side of the ship, the doctor not liking being told what to do. They split up, the doctor taking a comm dot to keep in communication with Astos. Elsewhere on board, Ronan requests adrenaline blockers from Mably, who isn't sure she can give more and wants to check with Astos. Ronan insists he get them now, sort of threatening to lodge a complaint against her since she's new to the job, this being only her second tour. Graham comes upon Durkis, who's doing something to one of the screens that's meant to be for staff only. Durkis admits he's trying to hack into his sister's medical records because she's lying to him about what's wrong with her. Durkis says Eve saved their species and that he is an engineer. The pod the doctor is investigating has been jettisoned. Astos goes into the other and realizes whatever just got onto the ship is in this pod. The pod gets jettisoned with him inside, and then it explodes, leaving Mably as the only medic on a ship full of patients. The doctor comes upon the thing that got on the ship in a hallway. It's this gross little, like, gremlin-looking thing that's eating bits of metal, and it bares its teeth when it sees the doctor. Then it growls at Mably and Team Tardis when they run over. The doctor tells the thing to get off the ship, so it growls at her, and then it eats a piece of metal as big as its body. Then it eats a sonic screwdriver while the doctor's trying to investigate it, throws it back up, and the sonic is busted, so we're probably screwed. We're screwed without the screwdriver. Get it, guys? Oh, I'm so funny. No, I'm not. Anyway. 
Team TARDIS goes back to the control deck with Mably, who uses the computer system to find out the creature is called a Pating, and it's a very violent and deadly creature. It can eat all non-organic material, and it moves extremely fast, it's impossible to kill, and it has poisonous skin. The computer suggests never engaging with the Pating. They're going to have to, though, so it doesn't eat the whole ship, killing everyone on board. Ryan and Yaz talk to Yas about his baby. Gifted males give birth to the boys, and females give birth to the girls. He says he's going to give his baby up for adoption. Ryan and Yaz leave the room, and Ryan says he couldn't handle having a kid, even though he's the same age his dad was when he was born. He says the last time he saw his dad was a year ago, and it didn't go well. Yaz asks how Ryan's mom died, and he says she had a heart attack when he was 13 and he found her on the floor. His dad sort of walked out on him after that when he needed him most. To help Mably assess the situation they're all in on the ship, the doctor tells her to think of it like something she needs to diagnose. They have to figure out the medicine to diagnose to solve the issues they're facing. The doctor lists off some things that she's a doctor of and says mostly of hope. She says they have to imagine to solve their problems. She's imagining the Pating off the ship and imagining what it wants. The computer system detects the Pating on board and Mably says they can't take something like that back to Resus 1. If they don't evacuate, the ship will be destroyed. Either way, the ship is going to get destroyed unless the doctor can save it. She gathers everyone together and informs the patients what's going on, basically assuring them that they'll figure it out together. Eve Cicero says she's encountered a Pating before and it destroyed her fleet. Just then the lights go out, which Mably says means the Pating must have gotten to the ship's central systems, meaning they'll end up losing heat and oxygen soon. The ship itself runs on an antimatter drive, so their goal now is to protect that from the Pating. Unsurprisingly, Yas thinks he's going into labor. Great timing. So, Mably takes him back into his room, along with Graham and Ryan, to help him. Eve asks Ronan for another adrenaline blocker, but he says she already used the last one. I have a feeling this is suppressing some sort of injury-related pain, and she's going to be affected by this later. The doctor leads Eve, Ronan, Durkas, and Yaz through the hall. Mably pulls the doctor aside as they pass Yas's room and says she can't say what Eve's condition is because of doctor-patient confidentiality, but she may want to check her out as a doctor. So the doctor catches up with the others at the antimatter drive. She asks what century this is, and they say it's the 67th. The antimatter drive is basically a particle accelerator, much smaller than the current one on Earth at CERN, like near Geneva. And the doctor says this one is like the iPhone of particle accelerators, and she loves the way this engine system works. Yaz and Ronan stay to protect the drive, while the doctor, Eve, and Durkas go to the control deck computers. The doctor asks Eve why she's on the ship, and she lies and tells the doctor she has corton fever. The doctor knows she's lying, so she asks if she has pilot's heart. She doesn't outright say she does, but doesn't deny it either. She's the most decorated general and so well known that she can't have pilot's heart, she says. Which, I wondered if it is like PTSD or anxiety. Turns out, not really. So Eve has been trying to control 
surges of adrenaline around her heart by using the adrenaline blockers. Apparently, one big surge could kill her, and she hasn't even told her brother. Until now, he's been listening right around the corner. He's not surprised, but he's disappointed that she hasn't told him before. He's rigged up some sort of system to pilot the ship, which the doctor offers to control, but Eve says she'll do it because it's the same type of system she's flown before. I had a feeling she was going to die because of her pilot's heart, saving everyone. Yaz and Ronan stun the Patang, and Yaz picks it up in sort of a medical shield blanket since its skin is toxic. She runs out of the room with it and kicks it down the hall like a soccer ball. Eve straps into the controls Dirkus has rigged up. The doctor sends a cover signal to Recess 1 to make it look like they're still in control, while Eve is actually piloting the ship. The doctor then realizes the Patang is after the ship's power, specifically, and went for the power systems in the life pods, not after Astos. It drains and feasts on the energy, like, from the lights and from the sonic screwdriver. And this explains why the Batang went after their ship, since it was the only one out there in the junk galaxy then. Good thing it didn't get the TARDIS, or it would be feasting literally forever. Eve takes control of the ship, and the Doctor runs off to try and figure out what to do. At this point, she's denied that the Batang is on board to the computer systems to prevent Recess 1 from just blowing them up. Still not looking good for the gang. At least Eve is piloting the ship now, but the Pating is still on board. Thankfully, the sonic screwdriver reboots itself, and the doctor explains to Yaz and Ronan that there must be a bomb built into the ship, specifically, like, in the antimatter drive. She pulls out this tiny bomb, and she says she's gonna blow it up herself. The doctor also makes a Hamilton musical reference and says she's seen all 900 casts. I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up doing 900 casts of that show. Anyway, the doctor sets the bomb on a timer as bait for the Pating because it will want um, all the energy from it. She and Yaz wait in the hall, and the Pating shows up, taking its sweet time going over to the bomb and finally eats it. It absorbs all the energy from it as it goes off, and the doctor had placed the bomb in an airlock, so she closes the inner door and opens the outer door, sending the Patang back out into space. One problem gone. No more little bomb, no more Patang on board. Eve tells her brother that she's sorry she didn't tell him that she was sick. They say they love each other, and she dies. Yas has his baby, and Ryan assures him it'll be okay. Graham says, if your nan could see us now, so there's my grace mention this episode. Happy about that. Yaz and the doctor go back to the control deck where Durkas has taken over control of the ship to bring them in for a landing on Recess 1, which looks like a space station, not a planet like I'd been expecting. Mabley tells the doctor her teleport is arranged once she and Team TARDIS go through quarantine and get checked out on Recess 1, so that'll get them back to where the TARDIS is on that other junk planet. Yas decides to name his baby Avocado in honor of Ryan and Graham because in Yas's gift and history logs, it said there was an Earth hero named Avocado Pear. Mm, probably not accurate. And he decides to keep his baby after all. Ronan, being an android,
tells Durgas he'll just shut down since Eva's gone and he was there to serve her. Ronan then leads an incant over Eve's body, sort of like a prayer for her. And that's the end of the episode. We just went right into the titles after that. I don't think I really liked this one. Like, after two really strong episodes, this one was a bit of a letdown to me. Kind of like the ghost monument came right after the woman who fell to earth. Like, in this one, the doctor did save the day, but most of Team Tardis's skills were sort of pushed to the side, and we didn't see Yaz, Ryan, and Graham as much this episode. I did like the character of Eve Cicero, though, and I wish she was in more of the episode, and didn't I? Though, she did save everyone on board, and then Durkos did too by landing the ship. And I do like how Mably was nervous about the whole thing, but acted extremely well under pressure, this being her second tour on this rescue ship. The Bating was an okay monster, and overall the story made sense and really didn't have any confusing elements. Still, I just didn't like this episode as much as the others this season. Plus, we almost got blown up. Like, twice. I'm rating this one in last place in my episode favorites order. So, The Woman Who Fell to Earth is still in first, then Arachnids in the UK, then Rosa, then The Ghost Monument, and then this one, The Saranga Conundrum, is last. I'd like to hear everyone else's thoughts about this episode. You can tweet me at BrilliantPCast. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at BrilliantPodcast. BrilliantPodcast.tumblr.com And you can email me at BrilliantPodcast at gmail.com Please subscribe to the podcast at anchor.fm slash brilliant-podcast or on soundcloud.com slash brilliantpodcast. You can also find Brilliant Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and CastBox.